0: kaiser cast episode 22 we have uh our guest today is jesse mensel so she is the uh, store manager at the ppg store in lincoln and they service um both kaiser painting and kaiser blasting coatings so they any architectural uh, type painting and the commercial painting that my dad handles um they have that kind of paint and then they have powder coating and they also have like what I would call industrial paint or stuff that we would, you know, use on, on metal, like, uh, the metal shipping containers. So, um, I don't know Jesse very well as personally, but, uh, we deal with her quite a bit through email and a little bit on the phone and uh, PPG is definitely one of our biggest powder coating suppliers. Um, and it's nice having them be so close and, and so local even though all the powder has to get shipped in. Um, Chloe, you're having some uh, internet issues today, but your sound quality is still good.
1: That's good. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm going analog right now. (laughs) Weird. I don't have access to any any of my notes online. I've got nothing. I'm flying blind.
0: So for general stuff to talk about, Chloe's going to be in town next week. Her and Abby in are setting up to go do some job fairs since we're still in our hiring craze. We've never really done a job fair before, so I'm kind of excited about it. I'm not physically going to be there. Are you excited about going out and being around potential hires possibly?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is going to be a good step for us. Definitely a new tactic for trying to recruit people, but we will be at SCC, uh, the Milford campus on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That's March 8th, 9th, and 10th. So if you're in the area, come see us. Um, We'll have a booth. We'll be chatting with people. We'll be kind of telling them what we do. We'll be having them fill out applications. Um, I think it's a good way to show that, like, there's real people behind all the social media accounts, um, and we're trying to grow, and we want to meet you, so...
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think uh, probably last December or something we were we were talking a lot about that we want to educate people more and we want people to just like know that blasting and powder coating jobs exist. So I think this is a good step in that direction going on to like uh, SEC's campus where we're around college-aged kids. For the most part, there's probably all ages, but I, I would assume it's mostly younger, like early 20s. And so hopefully... At the very least, it just uh, informs some people like about powder coating and blasting, and maybe even the manufacturing industry that they haven't been exposed to.
1: Yep, that's the goal. Did you fix anything this week?
0: Um, I had a one of our powder coating guns, um, the actual gun itself that you hold in your hand and pull the trigger. Um, I had a, uh, a new guy in the booth and, uh, he dropped it and, uh, those are pretty fragile. So when it dropped it, it broke it. Basically it would not work anymore. So I, I had to quickly get out another one. We had a spare and get that all wired in and cause it wasn't hundred percent ready to go, but, um, got it back working right away. And now we got to get that other gun fixed, which is extremely expensive because the powder coating equipment is very, very high dollar, but. Um, other than that, I did a little bit of maintenance today, uh, but nothing like major that broke that caused any long downtimes. That's good. Yeah. Good and bad because it was an expensive repair week, but that's okay. It happens.
1: How many backup guns do you have on site usually?
0: Um, a lot. Um, uh, we probably have a couple full units um, I was able to, do, like, it was just literally the, the gun that you hold in your hand itself that was having the issue. It wasn't the whole unit, thankfully, because those are crazy expensive, but, um, I have a couple just, like, extra guns, or they're, like, detached from our extra unit, um, just so that way we can, because, like, it ha- like, you're going to drop stuff, right? Like, it's going to happen, so it's just unfortunate when you do that. usually it breaks it, so. We try to be prepared for that because that's something that's it's just gonna happen. You know, it could get caught on something and pulled out of your hand. Like it's usually quite unintentional and it's just an accident. So,
1: when you say unit, does that include like all of the tubes and the feeder and all of that system?
0: Yeah. So like you got for us, we're spraying out of a box, so it's like a whole they would call it like a box unit. So you have like a little platform where you set the 50 pound box of powder on, and then there's kind of like a, a little post there, and then there's like a little kind of computer screen, somewhat that where you like set your settings at, and and then you have like your your pickup tube that goes down into the powder, and you have the gun. So like a unit, I would say, is like all those pieces, and then and then you can like you can unplug a gun from the the back of the like the computer portion, and so. That's what that's what I did. Basically, I, I took just the gun and brought it to the one of the units that was in the booth.
1: And how long does it take to hook everything up? Are we imagining like pulling a TV out of the box and getting that running?
0: Um, it probably took me like fifteen minutes, ten or fifteen minutes. It would have been uh, faster had I had it all like zip tied and ready, um, because the 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 uh one that I put in, I don't know six months ago was sent in to get serviced and it got a new cord put on it. And so, um, then we just have to tie it to all of our hoses. There's a couple of lines that have to come up to the gun itself. And I just didn't have that all like pre wrapped up. So I had to get all that wrapped. So that way it wasn't made. So you wouldn't trip on it again and, and drop it again.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And so it's going to be out of commission for what, another week or so. But it's fine because you had backups,
0: right? Yeah, so we sent sent that other one off to get fixed just uh, the other day. So, the, I mean, I always like to have a ton of spares. Anybody that knows me thinks that that knows me well thinks I'm a little crazy about all the spares I have. But um, I look like a hero most of the time when stuff breaks. So,
1: <laughs> better to be prepared. Yeah. How often would you say um, does gun technology evolve to the point where you want to upgrade what you have?
0: Well base so we talked to Matt and uh, I think Jason I forget his name that's bad but uh, yeah. last week and um, like it doesn't happen that much. Um, the technology doesn't change that much uh, but they did but GEMA did come out with a new unit a couple years ago. Um, with this, some more features and we do have one of those. Um, we just haven't, we haven't really converted over to it because we're just confident in what we use and it works well. We can still get spare parts for it. Um, and the new gun, a lot is interchangeable, but some of the parts are, are different than what we use. So we don't have a lot of the extra pieces for it yet. Um, so we actually haven't tried the, the new unit. We've stole some parts off of it to replace things that are broken, but, um eventually here probably this year in 2022 we'll, we'll start start using it and and uh, it's not a lot different i think it, it you can get a little bit more voltage and there are just some cool features with like hooking it up to bluetooth and um a little more you can do some data acquisition with it in terms of how much powder you're spraying through it which is that's exciting for me some people might not care about that but i always like having more data so um the spray equipment technology, from what I've seen, that that's probably one of the pieces of equipment that doesn't change very much. Um, and even when we get into like starting to talk about wood powder coatings and things, um, I don't know that the, that the spraying technology is going to, the gun itself is going to change much, at least from the research I've done and the questions I've asked so far, unless somebody comes up with a, a new idea. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So it's not like if you were to buy a couple spare guns, it's not like you're shooting yourself in the foot because the iPhone 13 is coming out next year and that's what you're going to want.
0: At least not with GEMA. I don't know about the other manufacturers, but it just seems like, like for instance, the the newest version unit, which I think is called like an Optiflex Pro, um, and ours, the one that we have, that's the older unit is like Optiflex 2 or something. The You can unplug the gun from the back of the pro unit and plug it right into the ours and use it that's what i did just the other day so that was like that part interchanges there's some pieces that were that they made different because it wears better you know they come up came up with a way to improve and so obviously those pieces don't interchange but um the gun the gun did so that was nice Does
1: it feel a little bit like using a different keyboard or driving someone else's car? Like, does Jay Wills have to um, adjust and get used to the new gun, or are they all sort of similar and interchangeable in terms of the way they feel?
0: The gun itself is exactly the same. The whole unit, we haven't interchanged that because it is, I think it's probably going to spray a little bit differently. GEMA and, like, spray equipment at Omaha will probably tell us no, it won't. Um, if anything, it'll be a little bit better, but, um, we like to really follow our processes and we know that when we change one little thing, it definitely changes stuff. It just does. This is life. And so, um, we've been hesitant to, to change that out because we're just, when things are going well, there's no reason. Like I told Klein a couple of weeks ago, I said, uh, we're not going to shoot ourselves in the foot on purpose this week. So. If we, if we shoot ourselves in the foot on accident, oh, well, we'll deal with it, but we're not going to do it on purpose.
1: Right. That's a good line. It's the theme of 2022.
0: Yeah. Do you have any social media tips uh, of the day? I know that overall you should be elated with the results that you've been having.
1: I (laughs) I guess my tip of the day is to be prepared for what happens if things start going well because as Jace can attest, I'm sending him questions from social that we get probably what, two, three times a day. Um, He's having people call him from other states for advice, just because, you know, people have realized that like, he kind of knows what he's talking about. And so maybe he's a good resource if things go wrong, or if I have questions, or if I'm looking for advice. And um, so I guess, I guess just be ready, right? If you position yourself as an expert and start sharing knowledge with people. They're going to have questions for you. Um, and if that's going to annoy you, then maybe social media is not the game you want to be playing.
0: That's a good tip. Yeah. I just, I, I and, found it interesting. It's nice to see that like, you know, over time it does, it, it is being consumed and most people are consuming it quietly and you yes. just don't necessarily know, but they are, and people are paying attention. And when you do, The right thing over and over again consistently and you know people pay attention and and start um then all of a sudden like the the dominoes just start to fall so it's been it's been interesting but um it's good it's like uh it's what we always or i have always kind of wanted in terms of like we know what we're capable of doing and we know um that we, we know that we know what we're doing and we've always just wanted everybody else to realize that, realize it and trust us. And and it seems like that they are. So
1: I know that timing is not great for you because you're super busy doing other stuff, but, um, is it a source of like pride and joy to get questions from people or is it more just kind of a, you know, one more thing in your day?
0: It doesn't necessarily annoy me. Um, I think it's, nice i don't know that like i'm excited to help people or that's not like i'm it's not that i don't want to but it's not something that i've been like yearning for and like eager and waiting for people to ask me questions but it's it just feels like uh it feels nice because i feel like we're we're getting like respected or or people like value our opinions or value um, what we're saying so that that feels good like that on a frustrating, busy day that, that, uh, feels like, okay, we're doing something right. Everything must, is going wrong here today, but we must be doing something right. Cause you know, people are, are asking us pretty important questions and, and, and they think that we're going to be able to give them a good answer. That's why they're asking us. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Would you ever, um, be interested in doing, I don't know, seminars or, you know, virtual educational opportunities for people on a specific subject and um, pursuing that route?
0: I think so. Um, One thing that I, so I've always had like conflicting um, feelings about like, uh, like saying, okay, this is how we do everything. This is exactly how we do it because um, coming from like racing, you don't want to tell anybody how you're doing it because you don't want someone else to beat you. Right. Like I'm a very competitive person. Um, but over time I've realized that, uh, you could lay out exactly how we do it start to finish. And, um, people could acknowledge that our, our end product looks very good and they could respect, um, what we do and, and think highly of us. Uh, but there are very, very, few people, if any, that would just like follow the plan exactly how we do it. Um, and it seems that way with, with anything and everything that you can tell someone exactly how to do something and for whatever reason, they just they just won't do it that way. So they, they won't be able to achieve the same result um, that you have. So my opinion has changed a little bit on being scared to tell you know a lot of people or even one person like this is exactly how we do it in fear of like that you're gonna have direct competition or something Uh, but most people will just like disagree with how you're doing it even though they know that you're successful (laughs) it's interesting
1: yeah yeah that makes sense
0: because like when i'm telling somebody like this is like they could tell me this is the problem i'm having and this is the equipment i'm using and and i'm like okay well you know we don't use that we use this and this is why like i know about your type of equipment but this is why i don't use it and uh here's here's the way we do it um and it's since it's different um it's gonna feel a little bit odd to you but i truly believe that this is the better way and gonna be better in the long run and usually you can just hear in people's voices where they're like they're listening and they believe you and they know you're not lying to them but you can tell that they're like oh, i'm just gonna keep doing it the way i'm doing it thanks for your help though so it's a, that's interesting
1: the status quo is a powerful force
0: that is true i guess people when they get maybe get stuck in their ways or something
1: yeah i mean in some ways it makes it a little bit safer for you to be more upfront with your processes knowing that you know like People aren't out to, you know, cannibalize exactly what you're doing.
0: Right. Which I don't know why they wouldn't, but they don't. So,
1: yeah, that's okay.
0: It's the saying you can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink. So,
1: right. Yep.
0: All right. Today, our guest is Jessie Mensel. She is. Is the store manager at the PPG architectural store in Lincoln. And it's the person that I deal with the most when we're ordering powder or that Chloe deals with the most. Um, don't know a lot about her. All I do is really email her and talk to her on the phone a little bit. Um, thanks for joining us today, Jesse. How are you doing today?
1: I am good. How are you guys? Doing good. We're so happy to have you. Jason. and I were talking about the fact that we communicate with you on a weekly basis, but we don't actually know you that well. (laughs) I know. It's kind of crazy, huh? When you just talk to someone through email. Yeah. So we figured we'd start by just kind of asking you who you are, where you're from, um, and what exactly you do for a living.
2: Okay. Awesome. Well, I am actually, I'm originally from a small town called Deweese, Nebraska, um it's out in western Nebraska. We had 78 people in my town that I grew up in. And so I went to a school called Sandy Creek. It was a really small class C2 school. And after high school, I went to UNK. Um and I actually majored in communications and political science and somehow I wound up in paint. Um then after that, I basically went and I was um working for an assisted living home and I did all the sales and marketing there and that place went under and I have a background in paint. I grew up in the paint industry. So my family connected me to somebody at Sherwin-Williams and I got into their um, MTP program, which is like a management trainee program. And I was basically just doing that to keep myself afloat while I tried to find a different job. And I wound up really liking the management side to paint And so that's basically how I kind of wound up in the paint industry.
0: So it was Sheryl Williams first.
2: Yeah. Yep. I worked there for three years. Okay. And then I went to PPG. I actually worked for PPG in Omaha and I thought I was going to commute to Omaha and I did that for three years and I figured I'd eventually move there, but I, I mean, I really didn't like Omaha So I quit and I came back and I started managing a staffing agency in Lincoln, uh, like a temporary staffing agency. And PPG called me like six months after I left and asked if I would come back if they had an opportunity for me in Lincoln. And so that's basically how I ended up in the Lincoln PPG store. And I've been there for 10 years now.
0: Jeez, me and Chloe were debating on how long it was and I told her I didn't know, but that's a long time.
2: Actually, I think it's been like nine years. I was in Omaha for three years. So I think I'm, yeah,
1: something like that. So
2: yeah, a long
1: time. You said you grew up in paint. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: So my dad is actually a painter. And so when I was in fifth grade, I started um, working for him. Like he made us work every single summer. So I did that throughout basically until I got to college um, I hated it though. Like I would be basically staining doors. I'd be filling nail holes. I'd be stacking and wrapping woodwork. Um, I basically would get all the jobs that nobody else wanted to do sweeping, cleaning up that type of thing. And so in the summers I worked for him, but then I also, I was able to go to detassling, which was like the best two weeks of my life. Because to be honest, I hated, I hated working, um, in my family paint shop. <laughs> so... Well, you, Those were like the best if, two weeks of my summer was when I gotta go to tasling, which is pretty sad.
0: Yeah, because detassling is not that fun. So uh
2: it's I think it's better than working, <laughs> you know, than working in a sweatshop. But yeah. but anyway, then after that I went to Kearney, and I decided that I didn't want to work for the family business anymore. So I started selling Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door. So I did that for the four and a half years I was in college.
0: So you're like, thinking in the back, Thinking
2: I wouldn't touch paint again.
0: You're very salesy then. Like you've always been interested in sales.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, nope, for sure. Which so, I mean, sense. that kind of helped get into the, you know, the management side and the sales side because you do a lot of that in the store. Um, I mean, selling Kirby vacuums is really hard. It's way harder than working in a retail store and selling something. In a retail store, people come to you and... Um, like when you're selling vacuum cleaners, you're knocking on people's door who have no clue that they're going to buy a vacuum cleaner. So it's a lot more complicated than selling paint, to be honest with you.
0: So when you get into like when you started the Cheryl Williams training program, does that are the I know you had some background in paint, but some people maybe have none. Like, are they like teaching you how to paint, or it's like no, it's just like how how you would sell paint type of thing.
2: They're they're basically trying to teach you the management aspects of selling paint and they're trying to educate you about paint and okay. about different applications and managing people and you know doing the bookwork aspect of it. So, I mean, the MTP program was a great program. Um they basically will take anybody who has a college background and as long as you have you know, the right interest, and they'll put you through this management trainee program. And then after you complete it, you basically have to take a job wherever they send
0: you. So did you actually work in a Sherwin store? for a while?
2: I did. So I, I got really lucky because the store I was at, the assistant manager quit. And so I was able to take his job. Sweet. So if that wouldn't have happened, though, I would have had to have moved wherever they wanted me to.
0: So right from the get-go, you were pretty involved in like running a store then.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But when I started working there, I honestly thought I would just work there for three months or so and find something different because I did not think I'd like it. And then I really liked it. So my goal at the time was just to keep afloat since the company I had been working for had went under, basically. So it turned out good though, <laughs> but I mean, I never thought I'd be in paint for 13 years
1: now. So how much knowledge of coatings did you bring with you then since you'd been painting since fifth grade? I mean, well, you must have the had some foundation.
2: I went, on, I went on commercial job sites and you know, commercial painting sites since I was in fifth grade. Like I said, I would get a lot of the grunt work. So there was still a lot that I didn't know. I just basically, they had me doing the jobs that nobody else wanted to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I had a good background in it, but there was still, I really, I mean, I had never ran a sprayer before. So there was still a lot of things that I didn't know that I had to learn.
1: So what does a normal day look like for you right now at PPG?
2: Well, right now, you guys probably know this. It's, everything's a disaster, So when I get to work, I mean, the very first thing I do is I am scouring, you know, and seeing what kind of product I can find. Because a lot of times in our distribution centers, we have product that gets checked in overnight. So I have multiple windows open and I go back and forth trying to find and secure products. So like first thing in the morning, that's the very first thing I do, because a lot of times that's when the products hit from overnight into the morning. Um... Other than that, though, like, my job has changed. It used to be that I would tint paint, I would ring customers out, I would put freight away. I mean, I would do everything. Now, because we have so many more customers than we have when I started, and because there's so many product issues, um, a lot of my day is honestly spent trying to order stuff, trying to figure out where people's stuff is, um, taking care of all the email orders, which is quite a bit. So a lot of my day now is spent on my computer, honestly. My job has really shifted.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the result of COVID and supply chain and all of that good stuff?
2: Um, Yeah, that for sure. And we've picked up a lot of um, True Finish or powder coating customers. And with those customers, it, there's just a lot more follow up than there is with tinting 20 gallons of paint and sending it out an hour later. You know what I mean? So our business has shifted too, where we were selling a lot more like architectural coatings. And now we're selling, I would say, almost equal um, architectural coatings and true finish, which would be like the powder coating that you guys do. So that's kind of I mean, that's part of the reason for my shift in what my day looks like. is just because our customer base has changed a lot.
1: So I'm interested, are there specific types of products that are harder to get now than ever before? Or is it just across the board, like everything's difficult? Um, honestly, everything's difficult. There isn't really one
2: paint in the store. I mean, we have probably 1500 products in the store. And granted, those aren't all paint products. But like, as far as paint products, I literally have to look for every single one. So when I find anything whatever it may be, I make sure I bring in enough to get by for like three or four months at least. So I don't have to look for that product the next week. So typically at any given time, I'm probably looking for 60 products at a time.
0: Well, you're making it. I didn't realize that it was so that you, you were having so much problem getting all that stuff because from like the outside looking in, you're obviously doing a very good job because Anytime that we ask for something, you pretty much have it or you know, like, I don't have it right now, but I know it's going to be here and such and such. And usually when you say that, it's there. So kudos to you for doing such a good job because it, I would, uh, like, I knew that it had to be hard, but it, um, it's rare that when we try to order something right now that you're like, no, we're totally out of it and you and we can't get it for you. So obviously all the time you're spending is paying off.
2: Well, luckily, like you guys are very organized and a lot of our manufacturing customers are very organized. And so as far as powder coating, especially if it's stuff that I'm stocking in the store for you, it's a lot easier because as soon as I see that, I just order a lot more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a lot easier. It's hard on like the one-offs where people just need one box of this and we don't stock it. Those are the ones that are harder to get, but I mean, there are ways to figure out if we're gonna get it or not, or how long it's gonna take. So, I mean, with you guys and with everybody, as long as you communicate, people are pretty cool. Like they get it. Yeah.
1: What advice do you have for customers, us included, I guess, like how can we help you help us right now? What do you need from us? Um,
2: I would say the main thing is just being organized and not having like emergencies every single day, Um, you guys are awesome. And most, like I said, most of our true finish accounts are awesome, but then we do have a few customers who every time they order, it's like a fire drill because they don't communicate with me that they're going to need 200 gallons of this product. They just expect that I have it. And I might have it, but I might have it secured to a job already. And so the main thing, honestly, is communication, because if customers are communicating with us, we're going to be successful and they're going to be successful. So I would say that's the key thing.
1: That makes sense. So it sounds like your role is very customer facing, but I imagine as a manager of a store, you're also doing a lot of internal HR type stuff as well.
2: Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like payroll Any issues with my employees, um, those all go directly through me. Luckily, I have a really, really good team. So there's not a whole lot of that. Um, And I have people in my store. Like I have one guy in my store. His name's Nick. And we actually just promoted him to an assistant manager. And he's really good with like the sales stuff. So he helps me with like putting pricing in and putting quotes in and helping with that type of thing. And then one of my other girls in the store, her name's Jen. She's another assistant manager. And she's awesome because she's great. Like, she's the best color matcher I've ever seen in my life. So when it comes to doing, like, drawdowns and stuff for commercial jobs um, or matching stains or matching, like, your industrial stuff for spray cans, like, she's the person. She can match it faster and better than anybody else in the store. So I have a really good Anybody else in town. Yeah. Exactly. So I have like people that are just really good at lots of niche things. And without them, I mean, we would not be where we're at today because I have such good people um, within our store. How big is your team? So there are six of us. And then there's Dave, which Dave is the sales rep. We're going to be adding another sales rep um, Ooh, because. Interesting. Yeah because he is overwhelmed he has so many accounts um and then we're looking at hopefully in the next month or two adding another driver just because our driver right now in like january and february i mean we literally don't see him all day so you can imagine how that's going to equate to march april may when it's really busy how hard it's going to be for him to get all those deliveries done in a day if we don't see him right now so we're definitely growing um, or store space has doubled in the last year. So we have so much more space for inventory, which is awesome. So we're growing, um, which is, which is great. Where are you
1: located exactly?
2: So we are located at five thousand two Rentworth drive in Lincoln. Um, it's kind of in an industrial area. We're tucked back and you don't see us from the road. So, it's kind of nice for painters because there's not a lot of do it yourself or retail traffic that comes into our store, but it's hard for people because a lot of people don't even know what PPG is because they don't see us when they're driving down 50th and Old Chaney.
1: That makes sense. So what, it sounds like most of your customers are fairly like large or industrial. What industries do you serve mostly?
2: So, actually, we have a lot of customers. We have a lot of, like, residential repaint customers, guys who do new home construction, commercial. We have guys who spend $5,000 a year and then guys who spend half a million dollars a year. So, really, we have a broad brain or a very um, big range of customers, which is really nice because you don't want... (sighs) In my opinion, you don't want all your eggs in one basket, whether it be manufacturing or commercial. It's nice to have customers in all these different industries.
1: That makes sense. So how would you say um, that you're currently using your sales and marketing or communication interests in your role? Or are you not, maybe? (laughs) Um,
2: Honestly, right now, uh, I really am not. Before COVID, I mean, I would put together sales, and we'd do lots of fun events with vendors. We aren't doing that anymore because of COVID. Um, I think that will probably be changing soon, but it's really hard to put on promos too when you don't know from week to week what you're going to have. Inner Tape is a tape manufacturer who is one of the biggest tape, tape manufacturers, and it's what all basically commercial painters use as far as tape. And we used to have sales on that all the time. And guys, we'd have huge crowds in our store, but we can't do that anymore because we really can't even get the tape. And so when we do, we can't run a sale on it because it'll be out in a day, if that makes sense. So we haven't really been able to do these fun marketing events, even with like Graco sprayers or any type product, because everything is hard to get right now.
1: Yeah. So so the last two years, we
2: just haven't got to do that.
1: Okay. I imagine this isn't a store-specific issue. I imagine PPG is experiencing this throughout the country.
2: Yeah, and Sherwin and every every paint company is basically dealing with the same thing. So once we get over this hump, I think that's when we'll start doing more of those marketing-type promos again.
1: Do you think the end is in sight?
2: I don't know. Honestly, I I don't feel like it is. (laughs) I hope it is. But um, every time somebody gives me a glimpse of hope, I feel like we take a couple steps back. So hopefully by maybe 2023, I don't think that it's going to get better this year, though.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I imagine there's quite a backlog that needs to be cleared out. Exactly. Um, So I'm curious about PPG kind of as a broader organization, like the company itself, where is it headquartered? Um, Where is it exactly? Is it the U.S.? Is it North America? So it's in
2: Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is where it's at. And actually, PPG is just a huge coatings company in general. Paint is just a very small part of our business. Um, Like the inside of your pop cans, that's PPG coated um windshields that's ppg glass so we have lots of other industries within ppg um architectural coatings is honestly one of the smallest parts to it we make coatings for like golf balls for instance so wow. it goes way beyond just paint and like powder coating
1: and that's your just store is... part we're in gotcha okay so your store specifically is an architectural coating store Exactly. Yep.
0: And the true finish side, which is the industrial coatings.
1: Exactly. Do you do industrial liquid coating as well, or is it only powder? Um, We do
2: sell some. We don't sell a ton of it. We aren't set up to like mix drums or anything like that. Our um, L Street location, which they've made spray cans for you guys before, Mm -hmm. they're more set up for that. But they have a lot. They have a lot more customers that require drums. Most of our drums are um, made in the factory, so we don't have to deal with that. But that could change.
1: So, what percentage of the time would you say you're educating customers or helping them pick coatings for their projects? Like, how much do they rely on you for that industry knowledge? I would say
2: maybe twenty percent of the time. That would be more of like our new home construction guys and our residential repaint guys. It seems like when guys are just getting started or maybe they're breaking off from a larger company, that's when they need more help kind of educating themselves on some of our products. But then there's a lot of people um, like Jace and Jay. They've been around for a long time. So they they know what they want. And maybe not necessarily at PPG, like if you've been shopping at Sherwin, but everybody has an equivalent. And so they know the products that have worked for them. So they basically know the direction that they wanna go. So it's mainly with like the new customers who are just starting to get their feet wet and are maybe starting um, their own businesses.
1: That's interesting. And how do you educate yourself on the products you sell?
2: The easiest way honestly is to just pull data sheets um, and to read about them and to ask questions to guys in the field when we launch new products. Um, listening to your customers, that's probably how you get the most knowledge, but reading a data page goes a long, long ways.
0: I agree with that. Cause that's where I learn most of my stuff too. Like sometimes even our, our guys on our team are like, how do you know all that stuff? Like, well, I just read the data sheet and that's what it says. So like, I've never used it before. So that's the only way I can know what the paint is going to do and how we're supposed to apply it is by looking at the data sheet. And then of course you learn more like by experience, but.
2: Yeah, that's a good first place um, to start. And it kind of shocks me how many people and painters, they won't read the data sheet or they won't even read the back of the can. (laughs) They would rather just ask you. But that's okay. That's what we're here for.
1: I did see on PPG's website that it looks like they're launching an online store for powder. Do you happen to know anything about that?
2: So I did look into this, and actually, it's for smaller um, powder coating customers. Basically, everybody gets the same price, and you can order in very small amounts or large amounts. So it's great for some of your mom and pa shops who are doing, like, craftsy, artsy type stuff when it comes to powder coating. Um, for big customers, like you guys, I'd say it's probably not the best. It also has a really nice portal where you can pull the data sheets and the MSDSs to products.
0: That would be really nice.
2: So, Yeah, so that was one nice thing about it. But I think it definitely serves a purpose because sometimes we get people who will call me and they want like six, five-pound samples, and that's all they ever order from us. And so when I direct ship that to them, I basically have to follow it till it gets to them it would probably be easier for me to just navigate them through that site. So I think that's where, where it serves a purpose for PPG. And I think it would be easier for them because they'd get real life notifications of their products.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully it makes your life a little bit easier in the long run. Yeah, I think it
2: will for sure.
1: Other than this online store, is there any specific coding technology, um, that you've seen in your 10 years at PPG that really excites you? Um, So we
2: do, which Jace probably knows about this. We have a new powder coating um, that's a high edge powder. And so it delivers on extreme corrosion protection, like on sharp edges. Um, And we're also working on developing a powder coating that's for wood. And so it bakes at a really low temperature and that niche would be um, office furniture. So in the in the true finish and powder coating world, those are the two big things that PPG is working on right now. And then on the architectural side, we have a paint called um, Copper Armor, and it kills 99.9% of viruses and bacteria on walls for up to five years. So that's big with COVID still lurking around. And that just came out.
0: That's cool. So that's for, like, that is uh, amazing. medical facilities, first and foremost, Exactly. Probably.
2: Yep. And they've only tested it for five years. So, I mean, it could surpass five years. We we don't know for sure yet because the testing, we st- we didn't stop at five years. But it's the, the, the testing will continue to go on.
1: I imagine that um, because it's called Copper Armor, it relies on copper.
2: Yeah, I guess I haven't read way into the technology but there is some um, copper in the coating
1: that could be a game changer
2: yeah for sure especially with all these medical facilities and what they're dealing with right now
1: so i'm interested in the wood powder coating you said it's in process so it's not available at this point
2: yeah it's not available yet um but it is something that they are working on developing right now which would i mean there's a huge niche in office furniture Um, so I don't know when that plans to come out. My guess is maybe in a year or two. It hasn't came out yet though.
1: It's interesting that PPG keeps you in the loop about things they're working on. I like that. It gets you excited for the future. Jace, have you ever had anybody ask you to powder coat wood?
0: Uh, a little bit. Um, and there are some other powder coating companies that, uh, have some products that uh, can powder coat wood or they like are just coming out and doing some testing on um so it is a it presents challenge a lot of challenges like at first you have to have a coating itself that's going to work but uh it's a totally different substrate than what we're used to powder coating right so normally it's steel and and that's conductive and it we can take that to really high temperatures to cure the powder and it doesn't matter uh, but all those things that we normally just take for granted when we're powder coating steel has to change when we're doing wood so it's it's really uh it changes the whole process and it kind of starts with the coating itself to be able to work and then everything else has to build back up around it
2: so you haven't done it actually
0: haven't physically done it no um yeah just because you like just because we would have the powder let's say like i could order powder that's meant to go on wood right now um but i we don't have like the right oven to cure it essentially so it's um, a different because we would get the wood too hot
2: so i then, see yeah so your oven starts out at a certain temperature like you can't go you can't put it on low temperatures oh uh,
0: you can but um the mechanism of curing powder on wood is less like a convection heating oven and more um like an infrared oven where you're using more radiation heat rather than uh, convective heating so it takes a little uh, bit I get you. different type of oven because you heat the part up differently to get the coating to cure, but then it, it's not necessarily heating up the wood to where... Because, like, wood has moisture in it, right? So, like, if we're putting a lot of temperature on the wood, then it's probably going to, like, dry it out and make it start to warp and things like that.
2: Yeah. Nope, that makes sense.
0: But it definitely, like... A lot of companies are, are working on it, and I've talked to Dave, uh, the PPG rep, about wood powder coating before and he's told me like yeah they've been working on it for a while and it's still in development so that's exciting i mean it's definitely it'll make it just makes sense like powder coating I, i feel like works so good on on metal and steel that that's what we pretty much always push everybody to instead of painting something we try to powder coat it um so i mean it makes sense that we would be able to do that with wood someday.
2: But if you screw up, like, a piece of steel, it's probably pretty easy to fix, right?
0: That's true. That's a good point.
2: (laughs) So, I would think the scary part would be, I mean, wood can be very expensive, Mm -hmm. and I would think if you screwed it up, it'd be a lot harder to fix.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
2: But I don't know. I've never seen it done, um, and I don't actually know anybody who's actually um, powder-coated wood before, so...
1: You'll have to get into that and let me know how it works out.
0: Hopefully we'll be the first ones that you know that's powder coatwoods.
1: Have you had a lot of demand from customers for that product, Jesse? Um, honestly, no. Uh
2: most of I mean, most of our customers, especially here like in Nebraska, they're doing more industrial type stuff um, and machine type stuff. So we haven't, but I mean, I think it's definitely it would definitely would be a very niche market, you know, and you could, it, that could keep a guy very busy, especially if you could pick up a office, um, furniture company and doing their work.
0: How far does yeah, your, uh, sense. like I know, so the Lincoln store kind of handles Lincoln area, Omaha handles Omaha. Um, but like, how far do you like deliver out? Like how far are your powder coating customers reach out? I'm just curious. Like how far so, will you deliver? Like you go all the way we, to like, Beatrice and stuff or
2: yeah, yeah. I mean we go as far as Kearney.
0: Wow. Um we have
2: a few customers in Kearney and I handle them just because we have so much powder in the store already and I have the space to stock it. So Kearney would be the furthest west that we go, but then east we go to Clorinda, Iowa. We go to Red Oak, Iowa. Wow, Uh, okay. We go down to like Wyamore, we go out to Malcolm. So I mean, with that, we go pretty far. And even with paint, there's no PPG stores really to the, like, south of us until you get down to, like, Kansas City, Wichita, you know, down that direction. So we have customers down in Kansas, too, that we send paint to on a weekly basis.
0: Okay. So you you deliver that? You don't deliver that yourself, do you? No.
2: Nope. I ship that out, which, I mean, that's been kind of a pain right now because in Nebraska, we have some really cold weather. And most of the trucking companies, they don't have heated trailers. So there's sometimes weeks where we can't ship things out.
0: Because it would freeze. Powder
2: coating not a big deal. But like with the actual architectural coatings, that's always a big problem, usually December, January, February in Nebraska. And it's a big problem for us because we ship and we send products all over the place. Just because we don't have as big of a blueprint as Sherwin-Williams does, so if we want to keep these customers, we have to service them from the stores that we do have.
0: Makes sense.
1: That's a headache I really didn't even know existed until I started in the finishing industry, this idea that like things freeze, um, and that can really affect the quality of the product by the time it reaches you. What other challenges do you face that you think most people don't realize?
2: I mean, I would just say that I think people just think that the paint like automatically grows in our back room. Um, And that's not how it works. It's a little bit of work to get the product to us. And then we have to tint the product. And sometimes even tinting the product's not easy because we have a lot of products that require specialty tints. And each time we tint them, we have to basically clean out those canisters because they're like manual canisters. So it's, there's a lot of things out of our control um I mean shipping's a great example of something that's out of our control. So I would say that I just wish more customers were probably a little bit more patient, a little bit more organized um, because at the end of the day if they if they're more organized and they can tell us what they need ahead of time um, we're going to do better for them and they're going to be a lot happier.
1: Yeah, absolutely I think Jason I probably feel the same way. is that fair to say Jace?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that, uh, the COVID and then everything that has happened since then, um, like the chain reaction has shown that the people that are good at planning ahead and thinking ahead and scheduling ahead, that they're still continuing to be successful. it's a lot easier to, to work with those customers. Um, the ones that don't plan much and are always last minute, it's hard to service them right now. Um, Because it's just everything is so difficult to move quickly, it seems like, no matter what you try to do. So um, planning is definitely a big priority right now.
2: Are most of your customers pretty organized?
0: Um, I would say it's probably very similar to what you deal with. So we have a few that are and then a lot that aren't. So and uh, it's just we were we're used to like that ratio, but then when like supply chain is challenging, now we can't necessarily help last minute like we could uh, with so many people before. Now it's, you know, we're just kind of stuck sometimes. So I'm trying to help them plan a little more so then they're not ending up frustrated with us just because it's kind of about some of it's out of our control. Kind of like what you were saying with like, if you literally there's no paint in the country for you to get at that that day then there's not much you can do like you just have to wait
2: yeah yeah well and i think i mean the one thing about covid that has been good i mean it has made a lot of people a little bit more organized like people who i mean weren't organized at all like i feel like people have gotten better because they've realized that they don't have a choice yeah at least on oran they have they've gotten better they're still not perfect but they're definitely
1: better that's uplifting to hear Um, so I'm interested, you mentioned that, you know, your store has seen a lot of growth since you started. Um, what do you think the key has been to that growth? And I would love to ask you about hiring as well. Like, how do you find good people and retain good people, especially these days?
2: So I would say like a lot of the growth, um, in Lincoln has been, I mean, we've had some very, very good sales reps. We've had some sales reps that were really good at different niche markets. We had one sales rep that picked up some really big manufactured housing customers for us. And those accounts are still with us. And they're very, very big customers. We had another rep that was really good with like some of the industrial like liquids. And so when he left, the next guy was good at the manufactured housing. Now we have Dave. Dave is really good at the true finish side. So we picked up a ton of new true finish business. Um, so having good, strong sales reps, that's huge. The other thing would be having good people in your store. Um, Tim, one of my employees, I mean, he's been in the paint industry for like 40 years. He honestly should be retiring sometime soon. He doesn't want to. He's a glutton for punishment and just loves to work. But I mean, he has knowledge that you just can't go to school and get or even watch videos or read data sheets and get because he's been in the industry for so long. Jen, who's the assistant manager and she's the one who's really, really good at matching paint. Um, she's been in the industry for like 15 years. She started out at Sherwin also. Um, Nick is actually fairly new, but he has a great attitude and he's young and he's hardworking and he just keeps himself busy all day so you need people like that who can always find the next thing to do and then we have another lady who just joined our team her name's kim she was at diamond vogel and so she's been in the paint industry basically her whole entire life and so i try to find people who have some knowledge of paint but if they don't have knowledge of paint i try to find people who are just really energetic have good attitudes um, seem like they can keep themselves busy and will find things to do and try to self-teach themselves. Um, and I think that's a big part of why we've been successful too is we have really, really good people that work for us and people who um, want to be successful and people who want to help customers and have great customer service. So that's another huge part.
0: When you're trying to find uh, more people to hire, does PPG Corporate help with that or are you pretty much on your own for like posting ads and stuff?
2: They post the ads, but they post it on PPG usually. And so nobody sees it. Okay. So, I mean, a lot of times, like even now, like if I am at Walmart and I see somebody who's really good, I'll give them my card and I'll say, hey, if you're ever looking for work, call me. Um, tractor supply is like another one. I've given my card out at tractor supply. But it's like constantly looking for people because, you know, you're eventually going to have some type of turnover. So I'm really good at trying to like look ahead and talking to people and asking if they know anybody who would be good, because at the end of the day, you're always going to have to replace somebody and that sucks, but it's just a part of the business.
1: Hi, this is, I'm putting you on the spot and this might be a can of worms you don't want to get into. So feel free to tell me no, but I'm just curious. Um, what you like to ask people in the interview? Like, do you have a question that's your go-to for kind of figuring out if they are who you're looking for? Um,
2: Honestly, like a lot of the people that I've recruited, like the, one of the last people we got was Kim. She was at Diamond Vogel. So I just listened to what people said. And then before we even had a position open up, I just started small talk, texting her occasionally, see how she was doing, see how she was liking it there, you know? And just kind of like developing a friendship with her. But a lot of times, a lot of these people that I find, they're they're referrals from somebody else. And if somebody knows them, and if, if it's somebody I really trust, that goes a lot further than somebody nailing an interview and giving me all the right answers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you're an expert networker. I try to be because
2: it's right now you guys probably know too. It's, it's very hard finding people that want to come to work.
0: Yes, definitely. So that's yeah.
2: also key. Will you show up every day? Like, cause showing up every day goes a long ways. You can't teach somebody how to do a job if they're not going to show up every day. So I've been Jace really lucky
1: is, too. Jace is laughing and nodding enthusiastically.
0: It's <laughs> true. Like it's just, it's just, Cause we can teach anybody how to powder coat really, or work in the powder coating shop. You just have to want to learn and be there and show up consistently and want to work hard. But you're right. Like if you miss one day every week or, are late multiple days, it's just, it, you can't even, you can't get in the flow of things. So then it just like, it just doesn't work out.
2: Yeah. And it's a lot better too. Like if you go somewhere and you see somebody who is like smiling and happy, Like those are the people who like, like being at work. You want people who like coming to work because if they show up every day, you you can teach them, you can mold them, but if they don't show up, then there's nothing you can do. You're just on to the next person. And at least with us, it's a long process to get somebody hired because they have to go through background screens and drug tests. And so from the time I tell them they have the job to when they can start, it usually takes about two and a half to three weeks.
0: Wow. So you probably lose a lot of people in that. If you're just like we do, we have job ads out on most of the hiring sites and we go through a lot of phone interviews first to try to get through them and then we'll do in-persons. But if you were doing that at a mass volume, you would lo- lose a lot of them, would just flake off in the, the two to three week period.
2: Yeah. Well, and the, the way you keep them on board is just if I keep communicating with them that whole time, we usually don't lose them, but you can't not talk to them for a week. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. I'll keep texting them and being like, Hey, did you get this done? I'm just waiting back on this. Like, I mean, communication key because I understand like people, it's their livelihood. They need to make money. And so they don't want to sit around and wait forever, especially if they think that possibly, you know, the company is going to flake out, Yeah. but that's just literally working for a corporate place there's a lot of loopholes you have to go through. And there's a lot of, you know, background checks. And even in those hiring um, positions, they're short staffed too. And there's so many positions to fill that they're overwhelmed. And so everything on that end is also taking a lot longer.
1: Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Um, If you don't mind, I want to go back to something you said earlier about sales reps. Can you kind of Paint a picture for me of how it works. Like, what is the sales rep's role exactly, and how do you interact with each other?
2: So, the sales rep's role is to bring basically new business um, to our store and to keep current business. Um, So, like, right now, Dave, you know, he will. He'll handle the true finish stuff. Like if you're having issues out in the field, he's the guy that's going to go there. If you have a new job starting and you need something spec, he's the guy that's going to go there. If you need him to go talk to an architect. So he's doing that for basically all of Lincoln. So his territory right now is very, very big, which is why we're trying to condense it and add another sales rep because there's just only so much you can do in a given day. And there's a lot of service that goes into that too. It's not always just about building new business. It's about keeping your current business happy. And so that in itself takes a lot of time.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. That is a lot for one person.
2: And I mean, me and Dave, like we communicate. I probably talk to him about every two hours um, in the day, which sometimes like he annoys me and I annoy him we can drive each other nuts, but like we're, we're a great team. We work really well together and we have a great relationship. And that, that also helps us to be successful is that we help one another.
1: Has he been around PPG as long as you have?
2: No, actually he worked at Sherwin for, I think 15 years. Um, He's been at PPG now, I think, I think going on five years.
0: Yeah. I think that's about so, right.
2: Yeah. So he's been in the paint industry for, for a very long time. And actually me and Dave went to the same high school, which is crazy. So I actually knew him, um, growing up, he was friends with my brothers. So
0: that's crazy.
2: Me and and Dave kind of go back a long ways, but I never thought in a million years that I would be working with him someday, but he's great. He's a great asset to our team.
0: That's another reason why I think that, uh, your guys' service overall, now that I know that, that makes sense. Your guys' service overall is really good, but it's probably because you guys c- communicate so well and know each other so well that it there's not a real disconnect between talking to Dave or talking to you at the store because you both know what's going on, which is really nice. Yeah. And that's hard to yeah. achieve because stuff happens so quickly. So that's hard unless you're really good at communicating with each other. So you guys obviously do a good job of that.
2: Well, and because Dave has so many accounts, I mean, we have reps um, in our market that have basically a third of the accounts that he has. I mean, on a store level, there's more stuff we need to do to try to help him, whether it be like, you know, helping him with job quotes or putting in prices and following up to his customers because he's very busy. I mean, he has a lot on his plate. So, if we want to want to continue to be successful, like we have to do anything we can in our power to help him, also because he does have such a huge load of accounts, which hopefully that will get better with adding this um, second rep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we are coming up on an hour here. I just we touched on a few things in this vein, but I always like to end interviews by asking people. What's one thing you wish more people knew um, either about your industry or your store or customer service, or this could be anything.
2: Um, I would say just be kind. (laughs) Everything's hard for everybody right now. So just be kind, um, be organized. And we, at the end of the day, we want um, our customers to succeed. So we're going to do anything in our power to help you. So just be kind and
1: communicate with us. That's great advice. Jace, was there anything else you wanted to pick Jesse's brain about?
0: I don't think so. I learned a lot about her and I think all your questions were good. And I, all I have to say is it's always great working with you and working with everybody at the PPG store. And i like that. I feel like, um, your guys' organ and organization and attention to detail matches ours. So it's fun to work with a supplier like that, because then, you know, like if we're in a hurry for something, um, I know that we can just tell you like, Hey, we need this and we're in a hurry. And then you're going to just take care of it because you're going to stay on top of it. So that that's nice to have that, uh, sense of confidence in a supplier. So thank you for that.
2: Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate the kind words.
0: But otherwise, I don't have anything else. Thanks for taking an hour out of your day. Um, And I'm sure we'll be talking to you probably next week about a job or something.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Jace. Thanks, Chloe. Nice talking to you. And we'll stop in next week and meet you.
1: Yes, I look forward to it.
0: Let's do the question for social media.
1: So we had a question from social media. It came via LinkedIn. Kristen Weaver reached out and asked, um, kind of a three part question. So part one is, do you use aluminum oxide for blasting? Part two is if so, how do you recycle it? And part three is how much of it do you use a month?
0: So we do use aluminum oxide for blasting, but it's just in our blasting cabinet. It's not actually in the blast room. Um, and so we do recycle it in the blast cabinet. It's, uh, Um, I don't know the exact system that I should call it. Like the brand is Clemco, but um, uh, it's more of like, I want to say pneumatic type system, but I don't think that that's quite right. So essentially there's not like an auger and and physically moving the media. It's more driven by air and suction. Um, And so uh, it, after you're blasting in the cabinet whatever falls down through the floor through the base of the cabinet kind of gets sucked up through the tube and kind of into the recycler or cleaner so that's where you're reusing it and once it gets to the point where it's too dusty that just gets sucked to the dust collector um and then how much do we use a month it just kind of depends on how much we're using the blast cabinet uh recently we haven't been using it much so it's probably only like a 50 pound bag a month so we i just buy it by the 50 pound bag and usually i'll buy a whole pallet um just to make it easier so we just get a bunch at once and um maybe like a pallet of like 300 pounds or something and um that could last like six months sometimes other times if we have like a lot of tiny pieces that we have to blast in the cabinet for like two weeks straight you know maybe that pallet only lasts a, a month or something you know but uh, it just depends on how much we're, we're using it. And we only use aluminum oxide in the blast cabinet because it is a very aggressive uh, media. And so like it wears out the equipment quite a bit, like even more than steel grit does. So if we used it in our, our main booth, um, it would wear our augers and stuff out very, very fast. So we don't use it there, but aluminum oxide is, uh, a very, has a very good cutting capability. Um, so it works good in the blast cabinet even though we have like a quite a bit smaller nozzle less cfm and quite a bit less pressure than we do in the big room um since we have all those things kind of scaled down then having a more aggressive media in there is helpful for removal rate. i didn't know that that makes
1: sense
0: but so you it's... would never
1: use steel grit or crushed glass in the cabinet?
0: Oh, you could. Um, steel grit's a little too heavy. Um, so that's another reason why we use aluminum oxide in the cabinet because it's kind of like it's more of a air-powered, it's a vacuum-type system where you're not like mechanically moving the, the media anywhere. Um, so the steel grit would be so heavy that If it was still usable it probably wouldn't actually suck back up to the top of the collector um where aluminum oxide does because aluminum is is um, not as dense as steel Aluminum's a lot lighter so then it can actually get airborne and move around i think we have put crushed glass in the blast cabinet at some point for something i don't remember what it was but the removal rate would be quite a bit less and also very, very dusty. So it'd be hard. It's hard to kind of see what you're doing in the blast cabinet then.
1: Right. I imagine it's hard anyway to see what you're doing just because. Yeah. I don't know. You've got a window between you, like you're not in on it. right? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You got like a tear off that we replace on there, but it just depends on what you're doing. But you know, if it's a brand new tear off and the parts aren't like super rusty and, that so you're not creating a lot of dust when you're blasting the stuff off then it's not too bad but sometimes like if it's just a really rusty or paint flaking a lot on the part then yeah you can't you're just kind of going by feel you don't really see what you're doing until the dust kind of clears away
1: great so there you go everything you need to know about Kaser's use of aluminum oxide
0: So that's Kazercast episode 22. We got another one coming up next week, uh, the 23rd. And that's (laughs) going to be uh, Kelly from PEM, which is our pressure washer, where we get our pressure washers. So he'll be able to talk about pretreatment quite a bit from uh, an equipment standpoint and probably give us some insight on some like automated washers and things because I think they do sell those. And we can't really talk to those very much since we don't have experience with them. Um, so that's something to look forward to. It was nice talking to Jesse. Like I said, I didn't really know her very well on a personal level. Um, so we found out that she's been at PPG for like 13, 12, 13 years, which is a lot. I wouldn't have expected that. She seems younger than that, quite frankly. Um but that's just, like, another... It's interesting to see how all these people get into the painting industry. A lot of them, like, have experience from when they are young because some sort of family member was involved. But then most feel like they don't like it and are going to get out of it. And then they end up back in it. It's been kind of the theme. Yeah,
1: that's that's been the theme for sure.
0: And I find it interesting from a hiring standpoint... That like Sheryl Williams, for example, a really large paint company, and I'm sure PPG is the same, but like Jesse was talking about that there was like a training class or a program that you could get in. Like that's interesting that they have that to, you know, train store managers or, or whatever.
1: I mean, it makes sense given what we know about how hard it is to find finishing industry education anywhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true.
1: And that's kind of what you're doing at Kaiser on a smaller scale, right? It's just like just finding people with the right soft skills and then training them in all the hard skills.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's true. So here's to continuing to train better in 2022, right? Yeah. I think that's the, that's the key, finding the people yeah. first, but then being able to, to train them. Yep. all right well check back with us next week hey is everything working good for you you need anything anything broke anything leaking just make sure we stay on track with the yellows and everything will be fine little things lead to big things Can you stay late tonight we need to get this job finished up Overall I think everybody's doing a great job. Keep up the good work. It's getting hot out, so make sure you're drinking plenty of water. I know this job's been difficult and everybody's getting frustrated. If we can't do it, nobody else can. That's the reason why the job's here, because nobody else could get it figured out. Just keep working at it. Don't get frustrated. We'll keep collecting data, taking good notes, and we'll get it figured out. Does anybody else have anything?